Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Your Bat is Dead, a Gotham Knights podcast from Nerds and Beyond. I am Jules. And I am Mel. I'm a writer here at Nerds and Beyond. And we have and a we- special guest here today. An amazingly special guest here today. You've heard us talk about her at least 500 times an episode on the show. Uh, she has brought us some of Gotham's greatest looks for all of our lovely characters. We are here with the lovely Jennifer May Nickel. Thank you both so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. We're silently clapping. Nobody at home can see that, but we <laughs> yeah. are we're very silently clapping away from the microphone. Um <laughs> I mean, we just have so much to ask you about. This particular week's episode, Belly of the Beast, just seems like it must have been a huge undertaking for you and for the rest of your team, considering just the amount of people in the episode, the amount of different kinds of clothes you needed to provide. I mean, we have a ball, we have running, we have action sequences. So where? why don't we actually start with that ball? Because it's pretty amazing how you managed to dress all of those extras. What was that process like when you were starting to put together the looks for that scene? I started off with mood boards for them and it kind of went off of, you know, there was a little bit of the 103 gala in there, but it was really pretty much all new boards because we were trying to hone in on exactly how the court looks. There's the rich of the Gotham and then there's the court of Gotham. And there are people who have been around um, for a very long time. There's even more generational wealth going on there. You know, some of these people haven't had to work in a day in their lives because, you know, their forefathers, (laughs) well, made all the money. I don't know if they work either. (laughs) You know, there's a whole lot of inheritance happening there. And uh, also, they are so evil (laughs) on top of the the generational wealth, they are the most vile and evil of Gotham. Um, you know, they make our gangsters actually look kind of lovable in a way. <laughs> and even the uh, mutant gang seems a little just when <laughs> you take into consideration uh, what the court has been doing for, you know, centuries now in Gotham and holding everyone down in in, mul- in a multitude of ways. And so I wanted it to be very clear, clear color palette, uh, clear tones, clear lines. I wanted it to have a different feel than what we saw at the gala. So there's a lot more vintage going on on the show now with the court. You can see that everything has a classic line to it. If it's not vintage, it doesn't feel contemporary. It's something you could have seen you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or back in the 40s. So you can kind of see that timeless classicness that we've been talking about for the show, but clearly in the courts kind of way. It's rich. It has the clean lines. It's that marble of Gotham that I was talking about and the, you know, gold and silver medals as well. That is, you know, the glue that binds it all together. And I just wanted to have that really pristine kind of feel to it. And then, um, so we we started doing fittings after I got the mood boards improved and everything. And, um, it was quite the, um, undertaking (laughs) for our group. (laughs) Because it was 60 some of them to fit, but then all of the stunt doubles for people, you know, they had the 
like the courts, you know, lackeys in a way (laughs) (laughs) that they all had their uniform, which looked different than what the court was wearing. And also I didn't design their masks, just FYI. I was going to ask about those masks because (laughs) the difference is beautiful. The contrast between the two. Yeah. So that that was the props department. Um, And, you know, props made all of the court masks and stuff. It was just my design. Um, And so we just wanted to paint that clear picture of who was who. So no one got confused because Mm -hmm. with tuxedos and everything happening, it was like, okay, Pick them out in the difference, and <laughs> um, and so we did fittings for about a week for the background alone, um, and then also trickling in here and there uh, stunts as well, and um, then kind of last minute there was a location change as there always are, <laughs> and so we had to make sure that people were extra warm <laughs> as well. Because we knew where we were going, it was going to be frigid. Um, and then indoor, outdoor aspects of everything too. So it was a little bit of a fun little, you know, we're used to the last minute hitches. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily we had kind of prepared for a bit of the cold anyway. So it was just getting a few more of those things. But yeah, I, me, Marisa, McKenna, our shopper, um, and then also our key costumer. It was like a race to get the right kind of gowns and the right color palette. Um, also tuxedos in a multitude of sizes. Like we had a little beginning, luckily there from the gala, but the gowns were exceedingly different. <laughs> and so that was where we had to really kind of bring a lot in. And it was so much online ordering because also in November in Georgia, it's not really gala time, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, it's not really the, exactly when you would be shopping for like your yeah. prom dresses, your yeah. ball gowns. Well, like the, you know, the austere colors don't really exist. It's really a lot of green and red at that time of year for pretty dresses. And so... That's not going to work for us. <laughs> so yeah, we had good, good sales though. <laughs> so we were able to get, you know, some gowns that would normally be $600 for a hundred. So that was helpful. It's always a benefit. <laughs> always, always a side benefit. And I mean, I have to say that the first trailer we saw for this episode, I think I tweeted pretty much immediately. I was like, oh, Duella's dress. Like that's going to be a problem for me. It is. <laughs> beautiful she looks beautiful in it (laughs) Duella's looks are the ones that consistently this season have made me just go oh my god she looks amazing and it's it's because she's a little bit wackier and a little crazier and she takes a little bit more time with her appearance than maybe some of the others do but that bald gown look was absolutely beautiful thank you thank you so do Um, you have a lot of fun um like we call it (laughs) duellifying yeah (laughs) and that just seems like it would be fun when she got it from the drama club, um, it made me think of when I was in grad school. I I am someone who I didn't come from money. Like, <laughs> like I, you know, I paid my way through a lot. And um, I was very lucky that I got accepted into a very good grad school for costume design. And um, I got a good scholarship. <laughs> to afford going there because otherwise I could not. 
And, um, but that's not the case for everyone. It's, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people that go there come from very wealthy families and it, you know, was created by Andrew Carnegie. So there's a whole lot of generational wealth within just the institution itself. And so over the last hundred years, multitudes of wealthy families that became wealthy basically because of the Industrial Revolution in Pittsburgh uh, donated clothing to the costume department of the school. And I, as one of my grad school jobs, I had to catalog it and figure out, okay, this this is circa like 1850 to 55, or actually this one feels a little more like 52 or three, you know, going and cataloging all of it, taking photos of how it was constructed, and then also making sure it was preserved properly so that it wouldn't just disintegrate into dust after all this time. And what was so interesting to me was that all of the clothes that we've been donated overall this last century, they weren't the ordinary everyday clothes. They were all like frivolities, things that had been worn once or twice. And as someone who doesn't come from money, in my mind, I was like, but that's what makes it so special. Like, why wouldn't you hold on to that? That was expensive. Like that, that's that was custom made, like the amount of hours that went into it. And, you know, I was like, why would you donate it? And then I was thinking more about it because that's just as a costume designer, who I am and how I think I try to get into the psychology of it. And I was like, wait, it was worn once. It's not, it's not like the wedding dress, you know, it's their ball gowns and their gala things, or, you know, the bridesmaid dress, like things that aren't, they're special, but the amount of money that they cost did not matter to them because it was just a drop in the bucket, you know? And that those items are not necessarily the ones that maybe held the most memories. So they're holding on to the things that they saw their family members wearing all the time, you know? And so that kind of started to inform this for me, for Duella. And then seeing the clothes that we had that um, should have been in the historical collection, but somehow got out of it over the last century, and then was a bit bastardized <laughs> and how um, they were bastardized. I also then started to think, let that inform Duella's dress. And then, of course, just her. <laughs> <laughs> and just so that, Duella. <laughs> that was the start of the information of the dress. I wanted it to have a classic, like, you know, century old feel to it in John Singer Sargent was kind of where my brain immediately went for kind of the Duella whimsy and his stuff has such a, like a beautiful messiness to it. You know, his paint strokes are very broad and coarse and it, you know, it, 
he's the more defined of impressionist, but I just love that style and the way it just kind of curves against the body. It felt like that was a good inspiration point for what she would pull out from the drama club and then where to make it look believable that she's part of the court. So, um, and then there's this is stunt double. She has to put the map <laughs> magically. <laughs> And it's thin, so you got to roll it. (laughs) You can't like fold that up and just stick it in. (laughs) And so they also wanted her to have a knife. And I was like, okay, garter, that we can do the post. It can go in there. The map can fit in there. And it was like one of those, you know, it was a choose your own adventure of design with like, you know, seven or eight different factors in play. And we were custom making it and, 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 and. And so um, I, you know, drew up a few sketches and because I always give options, you know, it's like just unless there's literally no time, like it's that day, <laughs> you have to start that, that day. It's like, okay, here's this and tell me what to do different. Um, but as often is the case, um, like my favorite sketch was their favorite sketch. It's not always the case, but it's often the case, which is pretty awesome. And um, Olivia was her favorite too. And so we we got to moving on it. And then because of the whole location change and everything, the timeline uh, changed as will happen. So it was a... Um, it was a mad dash of actually me and our in-house tailor <laughs> finishing that baby to go literally right on screen <laughs> and just putting that last little stitch in while she's like running. It's no, fine. It, really, like- <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're also perfectionists and just want to make it the best possible item for Olivia too. And so we were very lucky that um, none of her stunts filmed that day. It was just her coming down the staircase now and the zipper moment. And so luckily her uh, stunt double dress didn't have to be done. <laughs> it's like getting it a little was- extra time to work on your homework you know it's like okay yeah. phew we got the first half done yeah. we'll wait for the second half it'll be fine yeah. I mean what I mean, that must be so fun and also so intimidating reading a script where you're like okay like I have an idea for what this dress might look like and then they're like oh well actually she needs to be able to have pockets in that dress because there's a prop that needs to come out or like oh she needs to have I mean and and like you said working on the day where you have these location changes and things that are happening I, I would think that that's probably one of the more exciting parts of your job, though, right? Aside from being incredibly stressful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I always like to joke that um, it's where having ADHD is an asset. <laughs> I'm really good with television because I'm good at thinking outside of the box and really good at like having octopus arms and <laughs> being able to just go like on five different tangents of things and um and then it's also good because I can just really rabbit hole focus when I absolutely have to as well (laughs) so So would you say that partly because of that you prefer like the the tv show realm instead of for example a movie where you're going to have a much longer lead time to work out these costumes and I know it's almost like I'm punishing myself in a way but yes (laughs) (laughs) 
I am good at the chaos, you know, I am good at going, okay, boom, boom, boom. Like this is, this is the hamster wheel of change and okay, here's how we can accomplish it on our feet and still make it look good um, and be true to the show. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of that for this episode because of how many items in the episode were custom made, you know, and then also all of the characters having multiple changes throughout the episode. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, it's a lot, (laughs) but I love it so much. And it's one of those, I know I'll never get bored on TV. Like I will never be bored. And that is one of the things that I love about it the most. And I also love that while it's a lot of changes, it's getting to tell the character across the season, which I think I talked with you about, Jules, like, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. to get to show the beginning and the changes that those people have gone through in a multitude of ways, psychologically, physically, you know, money, every every little thing goes into account with it. And that is what I love. Because sometimes in movies, Unless it's Rocket Man and there is like a hundred and pages <laughs> for every person. A lot of movies just aren't that anymore, especially because of budgets and everything. And mm-hmm. you know, you only have like three costumes to tell that story in. And so I just like the painting a bigger world, you know. For sure. And it's kind of more fantastic than than other worlds because we're talking about Gotham, we're talking about DC, we're talking about things that are kind of heightened and stylized mm-hmm. and a little more interesting. And I know Mal has a costume that she is dying to ask you about of a certain a certain Mr. Arthur Brown, whose journey yes. has been really, really gone on a, a whole journey <laughs> these last couple episodes. I was like, okay with him up until episode eight. And then I was like, okay, sir, you need to take several steps back. I'm very upset with you right now. But his costumes are great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> his costumes are fantastic. And I want to give you so much kudos for how many nods and how much the, of the feeling of the Cluemaster superhero outfit or supervillain outfit you managed to get into that suit. Thank you. You've got the colors. You've got the kind of like almost double-breasted kind of design going down the front. Like, <laughs> I, I know everybody has been going crazy over Harvey's suit in this particular episode, and I'm sure that we will speak about that if we get time because it is fantastic. Thank you. But the one that really got me squealing was Cluemaster's outfit. <laughs> yes, I I was just so excited that we got to do that, and you know having James and Chad as our showrunners and Natalie as our co-creator, like it, you can really, they appreciate it as much as I do. And so it's one of those, we feed into each other with it and stuff. And it, I just love that we got to give those little nods here and there, and there's a little more to come, um, which, you know, is fun, but I did love that we got to do the color scheme and that it's still a similar cut, even though it's what's appropriate for our show. And, you know, Ethan is such a joy to work with, like, because everything we're doing on him, you know, someone could come in blindly to Affinity and go, you want to do what now? Um, that's a little off the wall. Uh, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. Let's pull back, you know, and he was just so game and all for it. And as usual with Clayton Meathers, 
50 other details that you all are not seeing um, that go into it even more. And one of the things that I just, you know, I knew where obviously this episode was going with him. And I also know where the future is going with him. And I just, especially for the last episode in this episode, wanted to show off what a complete narcissist he is. Mm-hmm. And even if it's the details that you don't see, but that he knows. Um, so depending on the outfit, because he has quite a few changes, there's he has initials on like everything. If it's not his cufflinks, it's his belt buckle. If it's not his belt buckle, it's his shoes have little like rhinestone A and B on them. And it's like that's the other level of you can't help but look at him. You know, it is, he is in an outfit that is like, okay, all eyes on me now, you know? And even when he was going home, you didn't get to see there. There were shots of the back of the jacket that he wears when he goes home in the evening at the end of 108. Um, but you know, it it got cut. You'll see it again. Don't worry. But um, it's actually it's his show jacket, you know, like it's quizzable embroidered on the front, but the back of the jacket is his face. <laughs> <laughs> I did this like That's I did, so perfect. I had this idea in my head um when I was seeing some of uh Carl Lagerfeld's uh like how they put his face or you know his line drawing and stuff on a lot of the Lagerfeld clothes and I was like well he's no longer with us <laughs> and it's a little different when it's you know your own your own clothing line but I was like it would be great if instead of like a quizzable logo or something else to do with the show on the back, it was Arthur's face. <laughs> and it's the silhouette of him. And I need to post it along with so many other things. But <laughs> it's just one of those fun things that everyone re- was really excited about and latched on to. And I was just like, yes, like, it, yeah. <laughs> We're all excited, and it's still in his Clue Master colors, which is really also fun. <laughs> so, I, I'm excited for everyone else to actually get to see the back of it. But yeah, bringing all of those, I cannot things. wait to see that. <laughs> <laughs> we love seeing all those Easter eggs too. Like when you post the stuff that doesn't quite make the episode, or like for some reason they went with like a different angle and you couldn't see something because it just speaks to that level of detail that's there that you put into it and that your team puts into it that. Even if you're the only one who knows it's there, it's there, which is amazing. And I think if I was an actor on this show, I would have stolen everything and it would have been a problem. I would have gone home with so much stuff. <laughs> that was that was like Natalie. <laughs> she just wanted to steal everything. Duella's jacket that she has with the whole like back of it embroidered. Like, I'm oh sorry, that goodness. would have been in my yes. car. Like that wouldn't it, have made it off the lot. That would have just been in my car. <laughs> Yes. And it's one of those, like, we might have reshoots, so just so we can't give it away yet. Yeah. Even well, the tiniest little details, like um, Duella's little Eunice brooch that yeah. she had in this episode, which just really, like, clearly meeting Eunice has had an effect on her. And mm-hmm. it can show in that little way, but it's also just something yeah. so very her to do. Like, of course she stole it from the jewelry box and mm-hmm. just up in her own little way. Beautiful. Can I not tell you how much we 
like the collective we on the show love that you all are where we've been and that you're kind of the fandom is like shipping them as this crazy friendship and like, you know, frenemy kind of situation because that's how we've all felt. <laughs> like we love them together and their dynamic and uh, Olivia and Veronica, like just gold. And then Navia and her grounded <laughs> You no know, maturity and sensibility and not crazy chaos. It's just the perfect, perfect match together. And, you know, it it's fun whenever I do get to show off the little magpie qualities for Duella. And it sprinkles in here and there, like you'll see of her taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And it was just one of those, oh, this would be perfect. <laughs> And one villain that I think we have to talk about the outfit for, because I have not been seeing it get as much chatter, is Mr. Lincoln March in this episode. What a stylish suit for such a horrible man. <laughs> it looked <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> Where did his character's inspiration come from in terms of that outfit specifically? Because it's a little different than what we've kind of seen from him so far. Well, and that was the reason. Mm -hmm. it, we didn't want to tip the hand too far, but it is also Rebecca's line of he is you know, what you see of him is very different. And so we wanted to make it a very different look than his mayoral candidate every day in the press. And to show that like, this is his true self, you know, and also it has a regal and, you know, just that since it has a nice soft sheen to it, it is attention grabbing in a very different way than Arthur's costume is attention grabbing. And it it goes to show also that new money versus old money I've been talking about as well. And we just wanted it to have that. It just feels so rich. It's the richest thing that is in the room. And, and it is. <laughs> <laughs> And we it is spectacular. Uh, it looked like he had fun in it as well. That lovely oh, clip. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. We so I designed the cloak and um we made it, we custom made it. And uh it the cloak was something that um the writers and showrunners and stuff they all wanted to make sure that his you know Damon is tall, slender built. He has a very distinctive figure. Mm -hmm. And the cape is part of a way of one hiding a little bit of exactly who that is, um, as well as, you know, it goes with the cane very nicely. <laughs> so while some people may have already been like, oh, cane, that's Lincoln, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was a way of going you could think that, or you could still be questioning. And, um, it, I had so much fun designing that. And I, as my like one last option for everybody to choose from, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to just go and do a main nickel collar. It's never been, you know, nothing I've ever seen before and just go for it. And that's, what I pitched it as. I was like, this is my, you know, I don't know if you feel like it's too crazy, but it feels pretty, pretty rich and distinctive to me in 
in a soft way. And they all loved it. So um, we went with that. And I wish you guys could just leap through the screen and touch the fabric sometime because that is just one of my favorite parts of the process. I'm very tactile and the fabric for that is just this like gorgeous little cashmere that you got. There was just enough yardage <laughs> to get it. So happy because it has like these little whispery, feathery specks of a white cashmere in it. So it wouldn't read flat on screen, which is always a good, but it also felt very alley in a, you know, rich kind of way it, with the little whispers and everything. So it was just, I loved it. And the lining of it, no one sees it, but if you had seen it, um, it it's this beautiful uh, black, gold, and bronze uh, brocade that just feels really regal. And so it's just, I love the whole, the tuxedo and all of it. It just all came together. So very luckily. It really I did. It how looked amazing. Been- yeah, I love how you've been putting in kind of those those little subtle owly details in so many places, not just in the cape, but um, for example, in Harvey's cufflinks, which were kind of owl eye-ish to me. Yes. Um, yes. And the shoes, the shoes that yeah. almost look like the scaly owl feet. Yeah. And <laughs> yes. just so brilliant. We wanted to do um, Harvey that way for a lot of different reasons that you'll figure out, but it's also, you know, fun to keep you on your toes and guessing. Yes. So, (laughs) but I think um, we have to talk about Harvey now. I think now that we've (laughs) brought him up, he's the elephant in the room in terms of like, and just the costuming, everything. I think I speak for Mal and myself when I say that like this whole season, one of the most entertaining parts of every episode has been looking for all the little slight changes to Harvey's ties and his looks overall. And even the way that the camera has been tracking him, it's just been so fascinating. How has that been for you having to develop that over the course of the whole season and going, okay, this is what I love. That's why I love getting to do television because it's like, we had a place and we, we, you know, for his character, we were lucky enough to know, you know, a lot of it ahead of time. So I'm excited for you all to see the rest of it and where we're going with the trajectory. Um, but it does, for him especially, we've been trying to build off of each episode. And you can see in some episodes where the trans- transition is happening, but then see where he starts to pull back and realize things and it's like this forward and then a little back and and so we've been trying to build and build on you know not just the tie knots but also the clothing and the accessories itself and things just start to get a little more wonky or unique and have the two tones or you know two different fabrics competing against each other in every, we didn't want to make it comical. We wanted to have it while it's unhinged and it is two-faced. We wanted it to have a logical track to it, you know, not just be two-faced for the sake of being two-faced, you know? So it's, I really love getting to develop all of that, like, you know, with, both the writers as well as Misha, like Misha and I were very deliberate on (laughs) 
where things where we wanted to go with him and we were luckily very much on the same page about everything <laughs> um and hilariously though we would have like a tray of um a hundred ties to go with it <laughs> in the way that because of the nature of harvey's ties and we knew we'd be doing the knots very differently and stuff the lighting on them changes so delicately that we wanted to make sure we would get it right and like even just from one side of the fitting room to the other side of the fitting room the lighting would change and we were like oh nope not that one we thought it looked good here but now nope not there and so it was something that like he marisa and i in each fitting like we took a lot of great care to find the perfect tie and then i would work on what you know not was correct for the episode or for that change and such. So it was, it was really fun. And Misha appreciated all of my sock options and stuff. And I would write little notes. Like if I um, wasn't sure if I was going to make it before he got dressed for things. And I do this a lot for the actors and like, okay, I know you might not understand why I'm putting this in here, but this is the reason why. So just wanted you to know um, this is why. So he he was appreciative of all of those little things. And um, there's a lot more details to come that we'll see if you even get to see it. But I'm excited to um, show my twisted mind off. <laughs> oh, we love your twisted it. mind. It's been very entertaining <laughs> to see it so far. I mean, it's it must be interesting working on a show like this where you not only have DC obsessives who are watching it and looking for those DC details, but then you're also dealing with people who are kind of just more fandom-minded in general. And I've found that when you have a kind of a nerdy show like this, people are going to notice those tiny little details. Is that rewarding for you? Like when you know, okay, if I put this little detail in, somebody is like more than like 90% sure someone's going to notice it. Whereas maybe on like, I don't know, like a network TV show, they may not be as fandom-minded and not be noticing those tiny little things as much. Yes, I figured that at least knowing that it's Gotham, that people will be looking for the details. And so it's like, it's my time. It's my time. And so that has been a lot of the fun part of it. And I I still truly... I still feel like I'm still learning about like the Misha fandom. (laughs) I didn't know when we started. I didn't like, I just didn't know. I I feel like I have a good idea now, but (laughs) everyone still keeps surprising me. um, (laughs) And there are half of the things people say, I have no idea what they're talking about. I don't know what this means. I don't know if that's a compliment. I hope it is. It's almost always a compliment. I have to say, you have been you have been so thoroughly adopted (laughs) by by this whole fandom. Everybody loves you and appreciates so much everything that you are doing. But there are some fandoms out there that are not like that. So it's just yes. (laughs) And I know myself being kind of a, a DC fangirl. There are definitely areas of the DC fandom that scare me. <laughs> they, yeah, they do. You don't want to. You don't want to go for it. And I will say, I when when my phone blew up for Misha posting the photos, I was a little scared to look. You know, I was like, because 
again, I didn't know the fan positivity existed, you know, in the way that it does. Uh, um, and I didn't know it was such a large crowd. <laughs> and <laughs> and I was, you know, really hoping that we wouldn't be getting hate like, you know, some other fandoms give. And it's been really wonderful and refreshing that that's not part of our fandom. And yeah, you know, it just the fact that everybody appreciates the show in a way that reflects the love that we put into it, I will be forever proud of. Um, and I know everyone else feels that way too. Like we we all worked so hard to make this. We all sacrificed a lot to make this and make it as awesome as it is. And it's just so it doesn't always happen this way, you know, yeah. it doesn't always come back to us, um, but we still do it because we love it. And it's just nice that it's coming back. Uh, you have given so much and mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's obvious it shows on the screen mm -hmm. and hopefully it will be recognized. I mean, I guess we should be, we should be addressing you as the Emmy nominated Jennifer at the moment. We should. <laughs> I know we hope so. We're crossing fingers. <laughs> I hope, but you know, there's a lot of stiff competition out there. So, <laughs> <laughs> But like you said, I mean, I think with the fandom stuff, it can be a chicken or egg scenario, right? Like if the writers are so clearly setting a tone from the beginning, if the crew is on Twitter, if people are interactive, I think that that fosters a more positive environment because mm -hmm. it's easy to be negative when there's no face to it, right? <laughs> like where you're just like, oh, like that person or like that producer, whoever. But like when you're like, oh, Natalie, oh, you know, Jennifer, like when you can kind of put a face to a name sometimes, it yeah. kind of decreases that. And I think also that because when Gotham Knights was first announced, you did have the kind of the DC wave of like, why does this show exist, right? I think that people who were excited for it, like myself and Mal and so many others, kind of wanted to counter that with like a positive energy of like, hey, this show looks really good. Let's like be there for it and support it and show everyone the love that it deserves. And I think that you guys also putting your love and care into the show, it's just so clear, you know, when you're watching it, that all these fun little Easter eggs are there because you guys care about it and care about the source material. You really work, did work hard on the show and it does come through. So I hope I hope everyone involved knows that. It, it definitely has come through to us. And it's something that we've all reveled in together. And we're like, well, you know, since we don't know what's happening, it's like, if nothing else, we know it's beloved. So... It is. You will have created a cult show here, even <laughs> if, even if the worst happens, and we only get. I know. We, of this. Yeah, we're like, I wonder if this will become a, a cult hit, but hopefully, it's not too late when it does. If it does, <laughs> you want it to be a cult hit with like five scenes in a movie, right? Yeah. Like you, like yeah. you, you that's the ideal. Like, <laughs> or and because a spinoff, or uh -huh. two. And then Obviously, the Duella and Eunice spinoff should be in the works any day now, I think. Someone oh, should yeah. get on that. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, so yeah. I do have a question. If Just a theoretical question. If you did get a season two, do you have kind of like a, a wish list, something that you did not get to do in season one that you mm -hmm. just, you would love? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Lots of things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lots of things you can't mention, I'm sure. Yes. But... <laughs> None of it. Uh, but... <laughs> but... <laughs> Are there other aspects of your own skills that you are looking forward to putting into play? Because we've seen yes. so much, so <laughs> many of your skills 
to to bring it back to episode eight, we've seen, um, for example, you talking about in college, um, dating the collection and doing all that kind mm-hmm. of vintage stuff, which you really got to lean into with episode eight. Um, but there are kind of more modern things as well. We have our young knights and the way that they dress um, when when they're out and about. Not they're out and about much, being in the belfry, I suppose. But <laughs> do you find that with the show, you, you you get to lean into so many diff- different aspects of things? And are you hoping, I'm assuming, to develop yes. those further? <laughs> yes. And that is also what I love about our show and also is great with my ADHD is that I can span all the eras all at once. Have you have a favorite? The flavors in there. Um, I go through different phases for favorites of time periods, but um, for the last few years, Edwardian, Art Nouveau, it's definitely, and and then to expand it into Art Deco with the 20s, it's like that's that would be my realm right now. A good 20-some year span. That's nice. And I, I've stuck there for quite a while. So that one might be like holding on for a bit until, you know, um, I get uh, a Western. <laughs> is, that, is that on the wish list of media for one day? Something completely different? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was one of the things that I loved about designing legacies because they had um, episodes where they would go in a therapy box and it was a different film genre and stuff or a different TV genre. And so we got to do a Western and I love the shows where I get to do a little bit of everything and I get to design a little from different eras and then go completely fantasy and do something that's never been seen before either. Like for me, you know, if I got to design Doctor Who, that would be like achievement of a lifetime. I I would be there shouting. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah. I shouted when I saw the photo tweeted and I immediately texted uh, Marisa because she and I are just the complete like nerd kindred spirits in that we make the perfect design team for especially nerdy shows (laughs) because she and I, we were like, not that we want to work for free, but if we had to <laughs> for Doctor Who, we would do it. And <laughs> okay, so that's the next fandom petition. Petition. Get the both of you flown over to Wales and on Doctor Who. <laughs> I mean that. That's you know, like, is it wrong that I would want to do that? But I would. No, it's not. I I have Doctor Who tattoos. Like I am <laughs> a huge fan. So. I can, I, yeah. I go on a quick, quick tangent about it. So Please. we have tangents for days. <laughs> my husband brought me to Dr. Who um, and thank God he did. Uh, it is so me that like I watched so I watched all of the 80s BBC and I don't know how I didn't see it. Um, I had a peripheral knowledge of it like right before we got together because it felt like it was starting to gain steam again. And then obviously it did. But um, it's so me that we, he and I, we went to where they film in Cardiff and um, you can go well, it's not up anymore, but you could go toward the sets and everything and see the costumes. And I love that. It's just that we both, that's what we do. Like it's our day in, day out of life. And yet we go on vacation and go to other sets. It's <laughs> um, 
that's the passion right there. Yeah. (laughs) Like at least we know we're doing what we should be. Um, but we kissed on the TARDIS, you know, (laughs) one of the, I love that because I I have been to those places. I grew up in England, so I, I have been there. I have seen that. Sadly, I have not kissed my partner on the TARDIS though, but (laughs) (laughs) But I fix that one day. Hopefully there's that opportunity sometime. Yeah. 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 I'm very excited about this coming season. So it's, Yeah. Like JP, my husband, I made him watch Sex Education so he could understand the brilliance that we are in for. And um, when it was announced that Russell T. Davies was coming back to the show, um, I was uh, at work and it was Legacies at the time. And um, I just, I dropped my phone and I squealed and... um, and ran out of my office looking for Marisa to tell her and she wasn't in yet. And so then I found our key customer who is also a nerd, but I quickly found out not the same kind of nerd. And, I was like, <laughs> and then turns, she's never seen Harry Potter. So I had a very good, you know, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Well, that's why it's important that you find nerds who are like um, mutual nerds, right? Like you, like you, because there are very different kinds of nerds out there, and you got to find the ones who tick the same boxes as you. Yeah, Yeah. the the nerds who get your nerd—that's what you have to do. And and Marisa and I are very much that, and so it's really great because she and I, we can communicate without real words, either with a look or "Mm, yeah, oh yeah, that thing about it because you're doing like eighteen hours. And not sleeping. Words are hard. <laughs> Very important and, skill. Like 12 hours of fittings back to back, or then like quickly hopping out to do a Zoom meeting to go back into a fitting. Or often it was like her staying in the fitting, I going in and out of the fitting um, while the meetings were going on. It's it's really helpful. <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing. And I, I think knowing what a challenge this show is in general, just in terms of how specific the costumes have to be, how many little nods you're putting in there. Obviously, we haven't seen the last few episodes yet, so there's probably moments that you're very proud of from those episodes as well. But from what we've seen so far, is there a look that you were most proud of pulling off that like for some reason you didn't think it was going to work or you had to change something last minute? And then when you saw it on screen, you were like, oh, damn, we really did that. That was amazing. (laughs) Yes, quite a few. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, quite a few, especially, I mean, every episode from here on out, there are a few of them, but then especially 12 and 13, there's a lot of that Um, for a variety of reasons, most of all time, (laughs) most of all time. That's usually why I'm like, oh, we did it. We did it. And I do design item, like the costumes and items uh, within the costume knowing we won't have a lot of time, knowing that there could be a schedule change. But, you know, as much as you take into account for it, shit happens. <laughs> and and so there's the, always that way of you have to think outside of the box and um, knowing how to pivot quickly and go, okay, here's how, yeah, we might have wanted to make it this way, but let's make it this way. It's still going to look the same. It's just, we're making it differently. And these are the things that we have to keep in mind for making it, um, that, you know, I'm constantly proud of my crew. Um, they, 
it's just I miss the sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's amazing. It it shows how passionate you guys are. Yeah, they we worked so hard, and um, you know, it didn't matter when we'd be doing the twelve or fourteen hour days together, day after day after day. They still continued to show up for me. They still continued to, you know, yeah, everyone was tired, but they enjoyed the job that they were doing. And I I love them all so much. And I feel so incredibly grateful to have had them. And then the amount of love and dedication that they put into the costumes and the care that they took in not only making them, but then the crew that, you know, our set costumers who take care of all of the clothes on screen, our truck costumer who keeps everything organized between coming from our costume offices before it goes um, to the actor's dressing rooms and then comes back from the actor's dressing rooms. That's that's her responsibility. And like Kayla had to keep all of I mean, you see how many costumes were in this episode. So Kayla kept track of all of the principal and stunts and Celeste and all of the background costumers had to keep track of all of the BG for the episode. And it's a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, we were only halfway through at this point. (laughs) And they just to see how we finish off the season our game was just as strong then, um, if not stronger. Um, and to tell you, we were all beyond exhausted and, you know, dead on arrival is an understatement. And it just, yeah, I think we got to do some of the coolest things that I will forever be proud of and forever will be some of my favorites, no matter what comes next. And and uh, that one of those is Duella's uh, costume in the next episode, which Jules, I've been teasing in about <laughs> a while now. And you guys got to see a little glimpse of it in um, trailer teasers, some sizzle things. I'm so excited. All I ever do when the sizzle reel comes out is just go, well, what's Duella wearing next week? What's she got going on? <laughs> what wig does she have? How are we? I one of the running jokes that I keep seeing on this podcast and even I don't think poor Olivia has had her own hair like once this whole season and it's fine because she can work anything she can work any wig whatever but truly I just love how perfectly your designs for her and the look for her matches Mm -hmm. her personality it feels despite the fact that like you've said she's like beautifully wacky and a little bit off Mm -hmm. not none of it feels like you're faking it in the costume like none of it feels like oh like where would she have gotten that so considering they've been hiding out in a belfry for how long yeah and like this is the cw you want to make things look pretty it's part of what the network is known for you know but you have done a really great job of striking that balance of like i could see how she could have made this costume from what she has and yet it's delightfully unhinged yeah thank you um it's been really fun and olivia takes it on so well like not everyone can wear it and make it look natural like she does. You know what I mean? She embodies that character fully. And it to the point where when my husband met her for the first time, he was like, wait, she has blonde hair. <laughs> and then he was like, but she's wearing a wig. 
when she goes to the nursing home, that's not her hair. I was like, yes, they put, yes, it's another, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, it was a very cute moment with it. And um, she does, I've seen this um, question a lot. If she's wearing contacts, those are her eyes. They are like, like sea glass looking into them. It's like they're mesmerizing it, especially in fittings with her. Cause you're like up close and personal and be like, I can just stare into those eyes. They're so <laughs> beautiful. Um, and she just has that way of embodying every little thing we do and is game for all of it, you know? And so we would just have so much fun in fittings cutting all of her stuff up and everything. And, you know, she has an appreciation for her character as much as I do. And then, you know, getting to pay homage to Heath Ledger in next week's episode was, you know, just as meaningful for her as it was for me, as it was for, you know, the writers and showrunners and everybody. It was, you know, one of those like, I'm so glad we got to do this little moment. So and you're paying homage so well in so many episodes because I have several things they've done before with different shots and costumes where you have this whole bulk of lore from the comic books to the different movies, different TV shows, Gotham, um, even animation. You know, I have to mention dirigibles at some point. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't let that one go. No, the blimps have to make an appearance every episode. (laughs) They do. Um, oh, but there's, which, there's so much you've been holding on. Ooh. I was going to wear it, but um, James, Chad, and everybody, like, <gasps> they had this yeah. made for us as a wrap gift. And so I thought you would appreciate That's amazing. <laughs> you guys can't see it that she's holding up. It's the greatest t-shirt I've ever seen. It's a GCPD like t-shirt for a wrap gift, but it has the dirigible right on it. Airship Academy. Airship Division. That's, uh, oh my Love God, it. that's amazing. <laughs> yes. If James and Chad are ever at a fan convention, there will be a strange, enthusiastic fan there with some kind of dirigible for them to sign. I hope they realize this. <laughs> I hope. Yes. <laughs> they will love it and then be like, can I have one? <laughs> I'll make sure to take extras. <laughs> it's funny because when you and I had talked at the beginning of the season, we talked about how you enjoy fan conventions and you like seeing cosplay and you're excited to see people cosplaying these characters. And now that we've seen more of the season, like I think somebody like Duella is like the perfect cosplay because you can really make of it what you have and you truly can do a lot with like stuff that you already own versus like having to like buy more expensive pieces or like really put a lot of like creative work into making things you can really throw that together from a lot of different stuff and have it be very duella-esque yes exactly and it's like even if you're not doing duella fully like duella bounding you know <laughs> yes. yes disney bounding but the dc version <laughs> um, especially if you have some clothes with a lot of holes in them already <laughs> that you wouldn't normally wear out <laughs> just pull those babies out again and try them up a little more. (laughs) Yeah. I've said this to Mal before, but what I love about doing these interviews with you guys, the folks who kind of work behind the camera a little bit more, is that I think that overall crew members don't get their due on shows like this. You know, obviously the actors are an integral part of the process. They're the ones who are physically embodying character on screen, but hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people (laughs) have to make that happen, that moment happen from lighting to cinematography to costumes to everything. Um, And you've talked 
so much and so eloquently about the team aspect of this show and just how much everyone on board really was so passionate about it. Um, I wondered if, you know, you could speak a little bit to that aspect of everyone kind of putting in their little nerdy touches. And were there ever times where, you know, somebody from another department did something that inspired something that you later did that you were like, oh, I loved the way that they lit that or did that. Like, let me find something to compliment that in the future. Oh, yeah. I mean, as I worked with the DPs really closely to make sure. I mean, again, color correction changes everything, but we did work together really hard and collaborate on everything of lighting to make sure that what I was putting people in was going to work with what they wanted to do for the lighting. And um, especially when it comes to episode 12 and 13, because it was two different DPs on that. And some things, you know, may replay from episode to episode. And so it was very important that we were all on the same page, uh, both color schemes, you know, how the fabric doing uh, camera testing and making sure the fabric read correctly on screen the way we wanted it to. And it was that, but, you know, all of the departments, we all collaborated together on so much, like hilariously, Jonna and I for set deck, she and I were just, our brains were on the same page the whole time. I would see some of the stuff that uh, she was thinking of. And I was like, oh, that's what I, here, look at my boards. That's what I was thinking. Um, And so it worked. It you know, I think it's worked really well so far that you see on screen. But it has it has worked. <laughs> where it's you know we had a kind of synergy going that that doesn't always happen, and it was just really refreshing to have because we knew where each other was going. Like I could play into Lincoln's, you know costume uh while he was recuperating knowing what jonna was doing there and play on the different color tones of you know how rebecca she still fits into her apartment you know she she's wearing the gold and the creams and everything but it is the opposite of him in that moment and it's a it's the softer softer you know feel whereas his is cold and hard like a talon's blade (laughs) Mm. Mm. (laughs) and so it's getting to play on that level and then you know we send each other our boards and then also with hair and makeup I collaborate with them all of the time and we send each other okay here's what we were thinking for this wig here's where I was going with this color scheme when something gets approved you know as much as I humanly possibly can every once in a while, I forgot, but um, sending them all of the looks ahead of time so that they can plan accordingly for, you know, even just shades of lipstick and um, updo, downdo, all of that kind of stuff. And um, props and I, we worked together a whole lot um, on this baby because so much of it crosses over to each side, like me designing mask, but then manufacturing it and taking care of it on set and everything. It just, it's that whole cohesive team of trying to stay on the same page because it is such a rich world and it is a world of such lore that you want to do right by it because it's really easy to not. Um, and, and that's, you know, where the hate comes in. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I have seen so much positive reaction on that front, though, because I, I think especially when the show was first announced, and people didn't have a lot to go on. They didn't know where the show was going to go or yeah. didn't appreciate the care that it was going to be made with um, at the time. There were a lot of people who were like, oh, they're going to ruin everything that makes DC DC. They're going to do all these terrible things. Um, and most of what I've been seeing online, honestly, is I've seen so many people who have turned around from that and said, actually, you know what? It's kind of good. I like what they've done. That, that is <laughs> it's almost like if you watch the show, it's mm-hmm. going to be better than your expectations. It's almost like if you give it a shot, <laughs> it might actually be good. And I always <laughs> tell people for any show, if I decide I wanted, I want to check it out, give it three episodes because so much changes between the pilot and then the rest of the season, you know, the pilot was shot in Toronto and then it came to Atlanta. Like there's just... You need to let the show have time to get its ceilings really down. And so it's like the pilots are fast and furious and so much changes, like to the point where they're also getting costumes on, like as the glue's drying or as the stitch final stitches happened. And so it's one of those. You know, the actors like just got flown in. They don't know the character as well as they're going to know it in a few episodes and their actors and doing the best. But there's things that all of us find along the way. You know, it is a transformative process with television. And that's at least the nice thing about it is that you get to inform as you go. And it's great that everyone's been, you know, some of the people who poo-pooed it gave it a chance and I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Victory. <laughs> and thank you for doing it. You know, <laughs> it a chance instead of just. Yes. We love our latecomers. It. It's fine. You guys got on the train eventually. It's okay. I mean, I will say you guys did have an especially strong pilot. Um, Mal and I saw it for the first time. It was at actually a fan convention. So we were able to see it like big screen, oh. like, you know, dark room, like kind of the ideal condition to watch a pilot like that. And it was pretty stunning. And so for me anyway, the season has only made that initial impression much stronger. But I also have that rule about giving shows a few episodes because I recognize that filming a pilot and filming a show are two very, very different situations. Different things. And, you you know, our show is such a big one that it's really hard to cram a lot into just the pilot to inform mm-hmm. the audience, you know? I feel like by episode three, people started to understand who the characters are mm-hmm. and why they should be tuning into them. You know, you get little glimpses, but that's when you really start to see the heart and soul of everything going on. So, and then just wait until you get to 13. <laughs> oh, I can't wait because I feel like everything has been building and not even just plot wise, but costume wise just everything has been building and building and building and getting better and better every episode because you have so much more of the character to be informed about as you go along i mean it was always so much fun when the script would come out because you're like oh it's and that's such a good thing to know because sometimes people on shows are like oh not the script no <laughs> like not another one to think about and it was the treat for us. We're like, I want, I can't wait to read this. I was like, oh, I want to have the time to sit down, pour a glass of wine and read this script because I know it's going to be good. And it's like, that's, that's just 
when you know you're on a dream project and that you're getting to do something really awesome when you're just excited to read it. And I will say um, for the writers, even their um, outlines, their story area pages, so thrilling to the point where we also were just as excited for those to come out to kind of see where the episode was going to go so you could talk, start talking and doing a little planning. And those, I mean, they're really good at it. And I've read a whole lot of story areas and outlines in my time. So. And as a DC fan yourself, were there any moments that you read in the script that you were like, oh, this is perfect that you can tell us about? We know we have several episodes you can't tell us about yet. <laughs> and then all the episodes start to blend together. And so that I get afraid. I'm like, oh, did that air yet or did that not? And <laughs> That is that is a real thing because my husband will be watching it with me and he's like, oh, was this the episode where that happens? And like, is it? You know, we were filming so fast and filming a lot of episodes, like two separate sets, one episode each at the same time that it's one of those like now in hindsight. I'm like, if you asked me five months ago, I would have very clear, definitive <laughs> answers on the timeline. Now I do not. Um, but Arthur Brown coming in, so huge. Um, next episode is, uh, for me, really, it's exciting in what I read it for the comic aspects of a lot of it. Um, I love and there, there have been a lot of Harvey moments that harken back to the comics and um, especially the long Halloween. And so I've enjoyed a lot of those moments. And it's, you see the little sprinkles in there and it's exciting. And then, because I'm not always there for every moment of filming, it's fun to then watch the episode and then see the nods to the different shots that you know, the directors and the DPs put together that end up, you know, echoing from the movies or, you know, comics. And so that has been a joy as well. And just, I mean, Mal will join me in this, but Joe Chell. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Uh, you have to tell me what it was like fitting him, please. I mean, (laughs) I seriously, when I said I didn't know what to expect, I didn't know. So I like, I am not a horror fan in the way of that is the one difference between what I call Jadley, (laughs) James Chad and Natalie, you know, they are, they love horror so much. And just because of like, I got I got exposed to horror films way too early in life. <laughs> okay. And that scared the bejesus out of me. So I kind of shied away from them. But, you know, I've obviously watched more now. But because of the late in lifeness of it, there's it's not quite the same level as probably what you have and what Jadalee has. And it so I didn't know really much about Doug other than I obviously knew he was pinhead because he scared the bejesus out of me as a child and was one of the reasons why I couldn't watch horror. And so it was uh, like, oh, I don't know what he's going to be like. Like, what is this? What is this going to be? I don't know. And um, 
one of the best things ever was um, uh, Chance, our one set costumer, his reaction to finding out when Doug was cast. He was so thrilled. I thought he was going to start crying. (laughs) It was the most. That was me. And I'm not even there. (laughs) And he was like, Jen, you have no idea the treat you're in for. (laughs) And so when Doug came in for the fitting and stuff, he, I was like, this is probably going to be his most boring fitting ever because he's in the prison jumpsuit. And you know, I was like, these are the, you know, it was basically like two options because of what people had wanted and decided on ahead of time when he got there. Um, but they needed to fly him in to do like camera tests and the makeup testing and all of that stuff. So it was, uh, hey, let's get this baby done. And he was just so thoughtful and delightful. And, you know, Going through everything I had done research on, since we're a timeless show, you can go through the different time eras um, for this, for his bit, and pull from different, um, you know, death row uniforms. And there's sadly a wealth of them. And it was the most depressing research. (laughs) And I've, you know, (laughs) I've done research on pandemics for TV shows. But he and I just started talking about it because he did the research too. And so it was an amazing thing to talk about. And it just caught me off guard and it caught Maurice off guard. And it was just one of the most lovely and introspective fittings ever. We talked about how in Great Britain, they, you know, they did away with, you know, the death punishment a long time ago, but not long enough. (laughs) And the difference between, um, you know, the American style death penalty, how it's evolved, how inherently racist it is, because when you're looking at photographic evidence and you keep seeing the same thing over and over and over again in that photographic, you know, (laughs) as well as written research, you cannot dispute (laughs) the inherent racism in the justice system, especially when it comes to death row throughout American history. And we were talking about a lot of that and talking about, you know, how France and Great Britain did away with the guillotine and then it moved on to different forms before finally abolishing it and doing away with it and how, you know, it is kind of you see the difference in the justice systems in that way too. And that um, also the length of, you know, how people actually get out of jail because they didn't actually commit the crime and shouldn't be on death row to begin with. Um, But as well as a decrease in extreme violent crime um, when that, is no longer part of the system. And so we just had a really wonderful and very thoughtful conversation about it. And it was just refreshing and wonderful. And it was one of those little bits where it's so different than how I thought it was going to go and so wonderful at the same time. So, and just to see how he transformed that character on set too, it was, oh, I, 
it was one of the things I couldn't wait for the most to come out because I only got to see the bits and pieces and just mm-hmm. to see how he was doing it and with Harvey and it just such beautiful acting all around. They really, they did it justice and mm-hmm. it made me so happy. <laughs> they did a wonderful job with it. And even down to the costumes in that scene where you have um, Turner kind of hiding and, and pretending to be things. Everything is layers. And I'm really glad that you've you've spoken on kind of how transformative your art is essentially, because I know you've heard me talk about on the podcast before how people do have this idea that you just go to Macy's with a credit card, right? And you just buy a bunch of things and stick it in bags and there we go, costumes are done. <laughs> and I'm so glad that we can kind of debunk that. Because mm-hmm. you, you're storytellers. It. You're not just, you know, you're not just dressing people. You're telling stories. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it. I really appreciate that you all see that too, because so often it's still, it's still a fight for our department within shows and movies for, you know, people in power to understand that. And so it's really great when the audience can understand that that, we're not just shopping. We're not just shoppers. It's not it's not just about the credit card. There's so much more that goes into it in every single way. And I really appreciate that you guys see it. And yeah, no, absolutely. It takes so much skill to do with you do. And not even just, we were literally talking about before you hopped on, we're talking about how I can't sew. Um, so that would disqualify me from like 90% of the jobs in your department. Um, but also just like you were saying, (laughs) (laughs) just all the problem solving that you guys have to do and having to know, okay, how do I alter this in the next one minute that like, it'll work on screen or like, oh, somebody broke some essential bit of button here. Like, what do we do? We have, you know, just the amount of work that goes into it is really, I think, like Mal said, people have an image of like, you just walk into Macy's and get two outfits and then you're done. And it's, it's certainly not that it's a lot of skill that goes into it and we're happy to help showcase that and it takes a village like on any given day we'd have like anywhere from 15 to around 20 it was 25 or 27 crew just in the costume department on any given day of the show we'd have like i think somewhere around like 250 crew to three something depending on the day and how many extras and everything and it's there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. And it's also something that, you know, people don't think about when talking about the writer strike or shows getting canceled. There are so many people that this is the one place where trickle down economics is actually real. <laughs> yep. As it does. And then, you know, when you think about the places where we film too, it's also impacting their local economy as well. Um, if we're no longer filming there and it, it it just all makes every little difference and so it's it's not just shopping we're also keeping tandy leather in business <laughs> <laughs> especially on this show <laughs> yeah that there's been a lot of joking about you know if season two doesn't happen if people just on twitter being like i'll write it and then i was like and i'll go to spirit halloween and get the costumes <laughs> Definitely would not yeah. work. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> let me tell you what I'm doing. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so it's like, I will happily do any tutorials with people for complaining that they want, um, but they're not going to find this at Spirit. <laughs> so, no, no. You know, uh, 
glue and tape can go a long way if you don't know how to sew. Just <laughs> I told you it was Elia that she needs she to, did. <laughs> she needs to tape her hems if she can't sew them. <laughs> I mean, it's um it, it it comes in handy every once in a while. <laughs> also, if you don't want to see any like stitches and it's a fine fabric, sometimes stitch which is actually very helpful. So <laughs> there you go. The breadth of knowledge that you have. <laughs> See, this is why I need to hang out with like costume designers or hair and makeup designers. I need somebody to tell me what products I should be using. I need someone to tell me like that. That's that's maybe that's I'll become an actor and then I can just be like, okay, tell me how to fix all of this, please. Let me know what <laughs> what to do. I I constantly was asking our hair and makeup teams like, what did you use here? That looks so good and so natural. Or oh, I love that pop of color. And um, Chawana, one of the makeup artists, CJ, uh, she is really great at sharing all of that stuff. So I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna go order that now. <laughs> yeah, that's all just like magic to me. Like, unless you need an Oxford comma somewhere, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not your girl for any of that stuff. <laughs> but that just I makes just it all the more fascinating to watch. I like to think of it as painting. So if you like to paint, see you, you know, makeup is a lot of that. So <laughs> hair I'm not as good with. And luckily I'm just blessed with having okay hair. Like, you know, <laughs> so I don't really do anything to it. Just put like a little anti-frizz product in and let it do its thing and you know, hope to God for the best. <laughs> We keep very close, uh, a close eye on Turner's hair, especially. Oh, we have yeah. Turner uh, hair watch. He, yeah, it's it's pretty magnificent the natural volume that that kid has, and it's Tyler, just a gift. Yeah, Tyler has really great hair too. They all do. They're, they're very lucky. Yes. <laughs> well, that's yeah. how they got to be leads on the CW. That's the qualification. Exactly. Is you have the to have good hair. Is- you have to when you walk in the audition. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And Jennifer, I do want to be mindful of your time. I know um, we're coming up on the end for you, but is there any final message you want to give to the Gotham Knights fandom? Anything you want to let people know before we sign off for the evening? I think anything else from 108 that you guys were itching to know about? I mean, Oh gosh. One of my um, favorite things was um Molly, the little girl. And there you go. That's what I was just about to say. <laughs> <laughs> Our resident yes. comics expert picked that off right away. I was like, oh, that kid's creepy. Mal's like, it's a comics reference. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I trust you. Yeah, that it truly as soon as like the ink dried on my deal and I could contact Jadley. I was like, we're doing the girl, right? Like at some point in the season, the girl's going to be there, right? Like, she is like, iconic. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. And so it like when it showed up in the script, I was like, yes, yes the moment has come. And so it was just Molly, the actress who played the little girl. So good and so fun and so game for all of it. And um we very much wanted her to have a vintage vibe to her going on. And with like a little Alice in Wonderland feel as Jeff, our director would say, and it, because something about it being so pristine and saccharine sweet just makes it that much creepier with 
the mask on and the whole vibe of the place. But it, I love that dress so much. And we were all so excited that like we could find it. And, um, and then when Ross for props was like, Oh yeah, I have a dress for her. And when it was match as the you know dress that Molly was wearing the you know the twisted and like crazy part of me and Marisa could not handle the dress the doll wears not matching Molly's dress <laughs> it just we couldn't and we couldn't let it happen we were like Ross. We're gonna take this on. We need. We need to make her. We need the doll, and we're gonna make her a dress and matching accessories and everything. Just hand her on over, and we got this from here. And I, we, I feel like we at that point had kind of lost our minds a little bit from sleep deprivation because <laughs> there was a point where we both looked at each other. We were like, it's eleven o'clock at night. Why are we still here? We could have gone home and we're still doing this. And I was like, but that's who we are. That's who we are. Like we were hand beating with pearls, the doll's dress to match the like pearls and rhinestones on Molly's dress. Like Marisa was delicately making the shoes and it was like, we looked like complete uh, psychopaths while doing it. <laughs> it I, I just want to release a whole photo album of it for people because we were crazy. And then everyone was a little scared, especially because Marisa started voicing the doll and <laughs> she, she named it Jessica. And she's like, huh? I can't do the voice as well as her, but it was this like, you know, it was just the perfection of creepiness where the two of us should be horror fans because we do creepy really <laughs> well. Yep. Um, but we're not. It's it's one of those we're like thriller fans. We're like into the Hitchcock end of things, you know, more Ooh. than mm. horror, <laughs> horror, like the gore end of horror, you know. And so after like we finished on her we then started like making creepy little videos with her before we left the next <laughs> <laughs> cuz it was dark everywhere and no one else was around and we we're just <laughs> so well your dedication is so appreciated and was noticed cuz i saw so many people commenting on the dress and the doll mm -hmm. and everything matching so, so. happy that people noticed <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it. The sleep deprivation was worth it. <laughs> well, at least, at least our insanity pays off. <laughs> so I, I like at least everyone enjoys that and notices it because it was just we had so much fun doing it, you know. And I was, I was glad that we got to. <laughs> Definitely, and like yeah. you said, it really does pay off. I think the fandom all really enjoyed it and enjoy seeing so much of the behind the scenes of your work as well. So thank you for chatting with us and, and giving us even more of a behind the scenes look at how this all came together. Where can people find you if they might be interested in seeing some of these designs up close or behind the scenes photos or anything else? 
So finding me on Instagram or Twitter is best. On Instagram, I'm Jennifer May Designs. And then on Twitter, I'm JMN Designs. Um, the one upside for Instagram is that uh, you get more of the photos in there and sometimes the captions are longer. But um, the other good thing on Twitter, it's easier for people to ask questions. And unless I've been tagged in 50 thousand Misha posts. I might see it. <laughs> Note to self, right. ask your question when Misha hasn't posted something about the costumes. <laughs> try to try to pick an off day. <laughs> yeah. I know when I posted about the um saying if we keep you know trending, I'll post text things and then Misha commented. I was like, oh if people have questions, I'm never gonna see them now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it, I will never get through that list. <laughs> so but yeah like you know, say, you know, at me for any questions that you have. I'm obviously when I can be open and answer things, I and and have the time to, I will. So it's it's been fun getting to share all of this with everybody. So I can't wait until to watch. Yeah, I can't wait till the whole season is over and we can gush at you about the entirety of your work, everything that I can just tell you're dying to talk about <laughs> not <am>. yet. <laughs> Because I'm looking forward to gushing back about it. And so I'm like, but you don't understand it's a mutual gush that will be happening. <laughs> Especially because, um, you know, it's fun reading some people's theories and knowing what's right, what's wrong, where things will go. And it's just fun. And that is it for this week's episode of Your Bad is Dead. Be sure to tune in next week for all the twists and turns on Gotham Nights. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Your Bad is Dead, and our show is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to head to Nerds and Beyond for all your nerdy news and a variety of fandoms, including Gotham Nights. This show is produced by Mal Windsor and Jules Thompson for Nerds and Beyond, and our theme music is by Kennedy Lynch.